from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. It's not just any tree. See where the center of the Christmas display in our nation's capital originated. Looking ahead to 2024 planting. Kind of building out some of that uh, potential profitability for those farmers. We'll tell you about a program that could help you flip your soil. And it's an important port for farmers. So it's really one of those secrets to our success. An inside look at what it takes to move the grain you grow out of the country, right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It spans 54 miles along the Mississippi River, and it's the number one port in the nation for domestic trade. It's the port of South Louisiana, and it's also a key port for the movement of a ton of agriculture up and down the river. Ag Day's Michelle Rook recently got to see how the port operates in person. The port of South Louisiana is the number one export port by volume for grain in the U.S. and so it's an important link for U.S. farmers getting their product to export markets. This vital area is a key link for moving grain down the Mississippi River from the main production areas of the U.S. And the port of South Louisiana handles product from 31 states. Of our 100 million tons of grain every year, 60% of the nation's grain comes and exported right here at the Port of South Louisiana to over 90 countries throughout the world. 55% of our uh, nation's soybean crop comes out of this Mississippi Gulf region and I think 89% of that comes down this river. The efficiency of this key grain infrastructure outlet helps to keep barge freights lower. And that journey, because it's by barge, is very economical, it's very reliable. And so it's really one of those secrets to our success. And Steenhook says the end result is stronger grain prices for farmers. When your supply chain becomes better or worse, those benefits or those costs get passed on to the farmer in the form of basis. The efficiency of the Port of South Louisiana is also a key to keeping U.S. farmers competitive globally. There are other countries that, that can produce the bushels, but they can't get it to market as efficiently as we can. That competitive edge has been threatened the last two years with historically low water levels on the inland waterway system tied to the drought. Barge companies are having to resort to light loading their barges or re reducing the number of barges that they attach to form one single unit. On an individual barge, 20, 25, even 30 percent reduction in the actual capacity that you're transporting down the river. That's lowered overall export volumes for soybeans at the New Orleans port during their peak export season this fall. The last I saw was somewhere around 18 percent from the last quarter of uh, soybeans down. Um, and I, much of that has to do with the drought. Yet despite this historical hiccup, this export area barely missed a beat, getting grain out and inputs back up the river. Even in the midst of low water conditions, very unfavorable conditions for transporting by barge, you still saw last year 55% of soybean exports leave from this area of the country, which is really a testimony to how profound this area is for us. As a result, farmers are making major investments to keep this infrastructure efficient and effective for the future. I'm Michelle Rook, reporting for Ag Day. 
All right, thanks, Michelle. USDA is planning a series of ag trade missions next year. The list includes Korea, India, Canada, Colombia, Vietnam, and Morocco. Secretary Tom Vilsack announcing the agency would use $1.3 billion from the Commodity Credit Corporation to establish the new Regional Agricultural Promotion Program. The money would be used to help support further growth in U.S. ag exports and introduce American ag to new markets. USCA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs spoke to us about how the latest round of planned trade missions were selected. We do a market uh, analysis to really understand what the current export picture looks like for U.S. food and ag exports and what growth opportunities there are. We want to hit diverse markets around the world um, in both developed uh, countries but also developing countries. And so we really look at multi-factors of where we have strong market access uh, but where there are also growth opportunities uh, for our exporters and businesses. U.S. ag exports totaled a record $196 billion in 2022, following a record-setting year in 2021. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Beating commodity fertilizers every time. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. Temperatures starting to dip a little lower this week. It's late November after all. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has a look ahead. Yeah, we're going to be looking at uh, below average conditions across the United States just in time for Thanksgiving. Uh, a system we talked about last week uh, showing up once again uh, on the jet stream or in the jet stream Tuesday and Wednesday. This pocket of colder air shifting off here to the east. Now, the one thing about this is that it is going to be kind of shallow regarding the jet stream. So I'm not expecting two thirds of the United States to come down below average or well below average. It is going to be a, a hit of some colder air uh, for parts of the Midwest, the Northern Plains and back up here to the Northeast. We start to get more ridging back into the Southeast, which is going to cause not only warmer temperatures, but the potential uh, for some strong thunderstorms as well. Uh, another ridge building back off on the West Coast and that is what we're going to be eyeing in kind of the seven to 10 day period for a warm up back across the United States. And while corn harvest is wrapping up in many states and others, it's just starting. Take Michigan, for example, where at last report, just 52% of the corn crop was harvested. And that's the case for Robert Reese just outside of Lansing. Robert says the last six weeks have been a doozy, but he said the middle of November is a great time to start corn harvest. He described a yield so far as being average. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Arkansas Attorney General says Syngenta has paid a $280,000 fine to the state. Attorney General Tim Griffin says the fine was for failing to report in a timely manner Syngenta's ownership of a 160-acre research farm within the state. Griffin says next, Syngenta must divest itself of the land it is owned since 1988 in Craighead County. You remember last month we told you state officials told Northrop King Seed Company it had two years to divest. It comes after the state legislature passed a law restricting certain foreign party controlled businesses from having private land in Arkansas. Now Northrop is a division of Syngenta Seeds, which is owned by Kim China, which is a Chinese state owned company. Now the head of Syngenta North America has told Farm Journal nothing illegal has taken place on the farm and they're still working on next steps. 
Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear why farmers across the country trust ESN to protect their nitrogen investment and maximize yield. Learn more at smartnitrogen.com. Farmers looking to flip their soil to improve yields for the 2024 growing season can get cost share assistance for soil health practices. Now farmers can sign up for the Farmers for Soil Health program. It's a joint program of the Soy and Pork Checkoffs and NCGA. The program was awarded $95 million from USDA's Partnership for Climate Smart Commodities Project. The program will provide technical assistance on the state level for adoption of soil health practices. Plus, there are cost shared dollars to help farmers be better stewards of the land. And with this money, 70 million of that is going directly to farmers for the cost share piece. There's another 20 million that's helping farmers with technical assistance. We're hiring people to help farmers access and unlock that $70 million. Uh, and then there's another 5 million that's set aside for helping to develop uh, a marketplace and to develop infrastructure to help farmers navigate kind of, you know, entering their information in and then also kind of building out some of that uh, potential profitability for those farmers. Now that program advances the use of soil health practices like cover crops to improve farmer profitability. Now currently, cover crops are only used on 6% of U.S. acres, but the goal is to reach 30 million acres by the year 2030. This year's sign-up deadline is February 28th. To enroll, farmers can go to farmersforsoilhealth.com. The major grains ending last week in the red, pulled down by the potential for rains in Brazil. We'll discuss that and so much more coming up next in Markets Now. And later, it's already time to put up the Christmas tree. The story behind this one in the nation's capital in the country. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Corn and soybeans under pressure at the end of last week. Michelle Rook is back with what we'll be watching this week in Markets Now. Friday's market closes lower in the grains. Darren Fry Water Street Solutions joining us. And Darren, soybeans kind of led the complex lower as it looked like we were trying to remove some of that Brazilian weather premium. Yeah, we sure did. You know, the models, um, as we closed the week last week and came over the weekend, they're very different. They really diverge from one another. The European has a lot of rain for this entire week. And the GFS has a lot less rain. So we'll have to see what verifies and what falls. But uh, when you got one model showing three, four inches of rain over 80% coverage, and the other one showing a half to one and a half inches over 65, 75% coverage, the market is going to have to figure out which one of those actually is right. And obviously, by the end of the week, we will know. Obviously, some profit taking in the beans and in the meal market here after a a week last week where we hit new contract highs, it looked like. Yeah, we ran up against resistance. We had big moves in the soybeans and the meal. Both of them closed higher on the week last week to finish. But we did pull back from the uh, highs there set on Wednesday. And I think just profit taking, model disparity, and nobody wanted to stay long uh, without taking some of those profits off the table. And so that's what we saw uh, to end the week last week. Yeah. And as I mentioned, soybeans kind of drug down corn on Friday, but corn really doesn't have a bullish story either, does it? You know, not on its own, but I do think the South American weather situation has certainly switched some acres around a small amount. I know up in the central north central area, 
Mato Grosso uh, into Minas Gerais and over into Goiás. And so you have to wonder how many acres we'll end up with for Safrina. But also then some of these planting dates will be further delayed and that puts that corn more at risk. So I think we're gonna have some really good export demand as we roll into January and get beyond that into May, June timeframe. We saw exports this past week really pick up and we did about 31 million more than what we needed to last week to meet the weekly pace to meet the USD numbers. So things are maybe turning a little bit firmer here on the export side and that will be supportive to corn. Does that mean we will hold last week's low, do you think? Boy, I sure hope so. You know, we had a we had a key reversal, double closed key reversal outside bar combination last Monday, and that's at 461 in December. We should hold that. Thanks for joining us, Darren Fry Water Street Solutions. That is Markets Now and more Ag Days coming up. For marketing strategies specific to your operation, contact Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528 or online at www.waterstreetconsulting.com. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Yeah, I wanted to revisit uh, that jet stream again coming up before Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. It's going to be all about uh, that next pocket of cold air. But what happens after that is going to be pretty interesting. So this is Tuesday into Wednesday. There's that cold air, uh, the purple the purple that starts to swing down from the north to the south. It's the dry air uh, from the north to the south as we get later in the work week, or I should say Thanksgiving a week. In terms of travel plans, where we're eyeing uh, for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is mainly going to be into the northeast, where there could be some snow coming down on Wednesday and Thursday, and then the potential is there for some strong thunderstorms to fire up, uh, possibly back into the southeast. You see how this piece of energy, this low or this U right here, is going to be working to the east. That could supply not only some thunderstorms, but also heavy downpours uh, coming out of Thanksgiving and into the weekend. And there's the jet stream coming up on Friday. A quick check at what's going on with the drought monitor. Certainly still need the rain in Louisiana. We just talked about the harvest in Michigan. So at this time, we like the dry weather to dry things out and of course get those uh, tractors in the fields. Uh, back here towards the west though, still looking at a moderate to severe drought you know, with a lack of rainfall. And as we go deeper into November and obviously December, uh, we turn our attention more to snow instead of rain. So let's look at uh, that overall forecast going forward. The temperature outlook between the 22nd and the 26th. No surprise here. Got all blue uh, across a good portion of the United States. Uh, you escape some of the uh, cold air down in Florida and also on the West Coast. Uh, they're also going to escape where the cold air is located, they're also going to be escaping any kind of snow potential. Higher terrain may get some snow in there. So in terms of ski season, you know, our snowboarding season back out here towards the west, does look like two systems will be coming through that could supply a little bit more snowpack. The temperature outlook November 24th through the 30th keeps that cold air around. But what I want to point out, we do have this starting to grow a little bit. The, uh, the orange starting to grow more to the east rather than suppressed to the west. So that is a, a kind of a hint of what's to come. As you get into early, um, early December or so, possible warming trend coming in. We'll start off taking a look at what's going on in Montana for this Monday. Partly cloudy, high around 43 degrees, low of 24. And you got uh, Newton, Iowa, the showers, high around 46, low of 35. And what about Moses Lake? 
We're going to try to split that. Mostly cloudy, high around 45, low of 28. Does age really matter when it comes to tractor prices? Machinery Pete will answer the question next. And later, an early sign about the upcoming holidays. See who's getting this Christmas tree in the country. A jury in Iowa says Kinsey, an ag leader, did infringe on some John Deere technology. Now that lawsuit filed by John Deere back in 2020 focused on Kinsey's True Speed and Ag Leaders Sure Speed Planner Technology. However, the jury in the U.S. District Court found neither Kinsey nor Ag Leader willfully infringed on Deere's technology. Now, regarding the countersuit from Kinsey and Ag Leader, the jury said the companies failed to prove any of John Deere's patent claims were invalid. The jury awarding John Deere $2.1 million in lost profits due to the sale of True Speed planters and more than $14.2 million in royalties for infringement. Kinsey, in a statement to farmequipment.com, said it strongly disagrees with the verdict and will challenge it. Does age matter when it comes to used tractor prices these days? Machinery Pete has the answer. Well, folks, 34 years ago this month, I started compiling auction sales prices back in November 1989. And I got to tell you, one of the funnest things over the years has been tracking prices on different age of equipment. Now, the current used tractor market is so strong, it doesn't really matter the age of tractor, we're seeing some high prices. Let me give you three examples from just the past week here. So let's start off last Thursday on an auction up in Springfield, Ontario by Shackleton Auctions. We'll start with an older tractor, this John Deere 730 diesel, very sharp. Now this thing sold for 38,100 bucks Canadian, which you do the math converts to $27,772 US. And if you take out just the very rare high crop and all fuel models, folks, that's one of the highest 730s I've ever seen sold at auction. Now, the day before, last Wednesday, on a farm auction in Gilmore City, Iowa, sale by the Sale Barn Realty and Auction, this John Deere 8285R, very sharp, 1,655 hours on it, sold for $227,000. That's the third highest auction price ever. But get this, the four highest prices, auction prices ever on 8285Rs, all from the past eight months. Now, a week ago Saturday, November 11th, farm auction in Orange City, Iowa, by Zomer Company Realty and Auction, this super clean 1991 John Deere 4755 two-wheel drive, 5,072 hours on it, one owner, so for 82,000 bucks, that is a record high auction price ever on a 4755 by almost 12,000 bucks. And same story here, folks, the four highest auction prices ever on 4755s, all from the past eight months. All right, thanks, Pete. Now, do you plan on putting up a real Christmas tree this holiday? See what's soon going to be up in our nation's capital and how many people will be putting up real trees in their homes this year in the country. Got equipment to sell privately but tired of scams and hassles? Visit MachineRepeat.com and click Sell Mine. MachineRepeat.com, the simple and secure way to buy and sell equipment online. What do you do with all of those Thanksgiving leftovers? Well, many people turn them into sandwiches. The Harris Poll taking a survey on behalf of Alpha Baking Company, finding the most popular leftover ingredients for that sandwich are turkey, gravy, ham, and stuffing. White bread was the winner for the sandwich base. Pumpkin pie filled sandwiches also making an impressive showing at 11%. While we're just a couple of days away from celebrating Thanksgiving, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas in the nation's capital. 
crews on Friday delivering the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree. Now every year a different national forest is selected to provide the tree, which will go up on the west lawn of the U.S. Capitol building. This year the tree comes from Monongahela National Forest in West Virginia. This is the third time this national forest has provided the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree. Now a world champion lumberjack and a West Virginia attorney helped to harvest that tree and a word about smaller versions that will be showing up soon in people's homes. The Real Christmas Tree Board tells me 20% of those asked are planning to buy a real Christmas tree this year, with most buying a real tree right after Thanksgiving or during the first week of December. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Quentin Grimace. Have a great day.